last week we were talking about the effulgence. If you come from Kima Primary Western, you can say effulgence. That's the, it is the effulgence, the being the brightness of God's glory. Jesus is the effulgence or the brightness of God's glory. And we learned a very interesting word that was apaugasma. Apaugasma, which means to bring forth, to shine, to come out. Yes. Oh, spelling is A-P-A-U, A-P-A-U-G-A-S-M-A, which means to bring forth, to shine, brightness. It means to send forth light, basically to send forth light. Jesus, we learned, was the manifestation of God. And we need to see him as the radiance of God, the radiance of God's glory, the radiance of God's love, the radiance of God's character, and everything that we talk about with God, the Father, is expressed through Jesus. And for those who are joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. We have been studying about the supremacy and excellencies of Jesus Christ, and our theme verse is from Hebrews chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4. So I will read it, then I will proceed to talk about today's session, the lesson, which is his being, his being. Yes, his being. So NIV version from Hebrews chapter 1, from verse 1 to 4. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through, our, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is a radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So we are looking actually at verse 3, which is the sun is the radiance of God's glory, verse 3, part B, and the exact representation of his being. We have been looking about Christ as the creator, we looked at him as the sun, we looked at him as you know, um, the air of all things. We have looked at him as the fountains of God's glory. And today we are looking at the exact representation of his being. And if you're listening to the title, we're talking about the supremacy and excellency of Christ or of Jesus. Basically, we are building up an argument to validate why he is who he is and why he is who he is to us. And it all ties into the purpose of his coming here on earth, where we said that his death, burial, and resurrection has accorded to us a new lease to life, where we know we are redeemed, we are sanctified, we are justified, we are indeed, um, what can I say? We have been saved. We have received deliverance, we are saved. And where we have had instances where Jesus has been made lesser, in whichever conversation where he's not esteemed, we want to correct 
that thinking in our minds, especially if you've been born again for a long time and you, you know, uh, there have been different revival, not revival, different, can I say, eras where men and women of God were teaching and emphasizing on certain things that at the time felt relevant, but they were distorting our understanding of why Jesus is and his position and what he did for us so that we can now move from the realm of the law to the realm of the spirit, the realm of grace, realm of, move from the realm of the flesh to the realm of the spirit, move from the realm of the law to the realm of grace. And once you understand his virtues, his supremacies, his excellencies, then it will be, it is expected, it will be in order that you will understand who you are. And therefore you will live free of condemnation, you will live free of fear that cripples, you will live free of anxiety like we are discussing in our exhortation today. You will be able to live out the potential that God had put in you, which is the image of Christ Jesus. You will be indeed the representation of, of God here on earth. When we talk about the earth is growing and it's yearning for the manifestation of the sons of God, it's, as I mentioned last time, it's not about the material things that we have because that would demean the value of God's supremacy. He is not linked to material wealth because people who don't know God are very rich. They are very extremely wealthy. We know, we know there's a show that used to come on MTV that talks about who owns Kenya, I think. And you should highlight people who are, you know, like you, you just hear, you, in fact, you don't even know who they are until they are mentioned. Then you're like, oh, this guy owns this, Kumbe, this guy comes from here, and you know. They actually own stuff. Father is superior to the material things that senses that we are living in. You know, look at the essence of Christ, so look at his being, his being, his being. Um, first and foremost, we must come to an understanding of what this particular statement means. Remember that the scriptures have been translated from two main languages, that is Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New Testament. And this particular part that says the express image of his person or the express image of his being, the words express image come from the Greek word character. It's very interesting to learn that character in English comes from character in Greek. The spelling of character is C-H-A-R-A-K-T-E-R. Instead of the way we say C-T, we put K. So character. Character. E-H-A-R-A-K-T-E-R. Online, are we together? Yes. yes. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you. All right. Please stop me if I'm not clear or I'm, not, I'm too fast. Eh? Send a message if you're going to look at it. So, <laughs> and 
this particular word, surprisingly, according to what has been researched, it is only used here in this scriptural excerpt in Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verse 3, where it's the only part, only time that it is it's been used, that express image, the word character has been used in scripture in the New Testament. And the way the Greeks explained it, when they say character, they're not talking about virtue. They're not talking about your your your, your personality or individualism. They were actually talking, the word character means die or a stamp. You know, like stamp. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, die. D-I-E or stamp. No, no, Pastor Peter. <laughs> so it indicates a die or stamp or the mark made by a seal or the mark made by a seal. So if we're to understand this in context, we're basically saying that Jesus, if you understand what a stamp means, remember whatever is stamped with ink reflects the, what do you call it? The, the stamp. Whatever is stamped reflects the stamp. So the stamp and the stamp are mirrored. English. Yeah. <laughs> Due to the opaque nature of this reference, I want you to understand that it's just a mirror of the stamp. <laughs> so if we are saying that Jesus is the express image of God or the Father, then it's easy to say that Jesus he is the exact representation, the exact reproduction of God. He is the exact reproduction of God. So as the Father is, so is Christ. As Jesus is, so is the Father. So there is no distinction in terms of their, their, their and I call it their essence. And that's what I want us to understand in the next few uh, paragraphs. So we're saying that the express image of his person, the word person is a Greek word. I think Pastor Peter and uh, Pastor Mbogo have uh, mentioned this in the beginning when we, when we were talking about conservation be lost. Hypostasis. Uh, Hypostasis. And I also mentioned it in the beginning of this particular session when we were talking about why Jesus is the Son of God. Hypostasis, which is H U H U P O S T A S, which is S I S. I'll spell it again for those who are taking notes. The word person is the Greek word hypostasis, hypostasis, which is H U P O S T A S I S, which is from hupo, meaning under, and histemi, meaning to stand. Kupo meaning under and his meaning to stand. Thus, its meaning is that which stands under. His Histemi is H I S T E M I. His To stand. To stand. Um, for the online team, I, I really encourage you. As much as some of you may be walking or doing other things, if you can, please write these things. 
because you will need to go through them later on as your notes to understand, to query, to also come up with your own expositions of what you have learned so that you may minister effectively to those around you. So it means um, for hypostasis comes from the word hypo, meaning under, and histemi, meaning to stand. Therefore, its meaning is that which stands under. And that basically means the nature or the essence of something. That not to understand. I don't need to say because I would say that it's under and then to stand. So you're saying it's to understand. No, it means that which stands under, that which is born out of something, the nature of something by birth, by reproduction. Okay. So we could easily say that Christ is the exact representation or reproduction of God in the human form, and he displays the nature and the essence of God. Okay, so Christ is the exact reproduction or representation of God in the human form, because he's the only one that we know who became incarnate in human form. And he, in that form, he displays the nature or the essence of God. The nature or the essence of God. Now, when I was studying about the essence, you know, I like using that word essence, but I had never really thought about it. You know, there are words we put around in English, but do you really understand what essence means? You know, some of us understand vanilla essence because, you know, or essential oils because of how they smell. Um, people understand essential services, you know, they come from essence. Others know, you know songs called Essence, you know those songs, yeah? Yes, the people here in, in the physical form have looked at each other, they have communicated. Yes, so you know, you know what, is, what is the essence, you know? Then you can say, those who are romantic, you say, what is it? the essence of her beauty or the essence of his love, you know? And you're like, oh, what a wonderful word. But really, what does essence mean? Essence means. Okay, thanks. We didn't ask what it sounds like, just ask what it means. <laughs> yes, so here, essence, it is, as read it slowly, it is the intrinsic nature or the indispensable quality of something, especially something abstract that determines its character. I will read it again. Essence, essence means the intrinsic nature or the indispensable quality of something, especially something abstract, that determines its character. Have we gotten it? Or do you, would you like me to repeat it? I don't know if I should type it down for uh, the guys online. 
highlight it and copy. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, can you hear me? Um, I just got a message that I went off. Am I there? But am I there? As in, can you hear me? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> yes, that's all right. <laughs> am I there? Yeah, are you there? Am I here? Okay, good. So the intrinsic nature or the indispensable quality of something, especially abstract that determines its character. Ponder for a few seconds what that sentence actually means. I'll leave you just to read it clearly. And I told you guys, I'm not in a hurry. If you're in a hurry, it's all right. You can stop and come off or join us whenever you feel like, but I will take my time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, continue, continue thinking, guys. Just think about it. The nature or the quality of something that determines its character. The nature or the quality of something that determines a character. For those who might not understand what intrinsic means, it means the inborn, innate, something that is from within. Eh? Yeah, so the intrinsic value of relationships based on blah, 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 blah. So the natural, the natural um, state of something, okay? So when we talk about the intrinsic nature or indispensable quality, especially something abstract that determines its character. Now we're talking about Jesus being the essence of God. His natural disposition his natural placing, the way he just is, it defines the character of God. And because, and because I like what the dictionary said that it's usually something abstract, you know, something that is not confined. I like that because God is not confined. His reflector is indescribable. And therefore, when we see Jesus, what we can be able to utter is just like a with our English words or our language, because our language varies, is basically a, a, a reflection, just a bit of a reflection of God's complete awesomeness. The Father, the Father in practical nature. Thank you. Thank you. So you cannot, in this sense, you can never try and say, now I want to speak to Jehovah God. Jesus sits here. I want to only speak. Now we are dealing with Jehovah. Holy Spirit, you know, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit shortly, but now you put aside the Holy Spirit and you put Jesus and you say, I just want to deal with Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah God, no one else. What's that one? God, my righteousness. Yeah, it sounds like Now that sounds like Luya. Now that sounds like Luya. Anyway, okay. I mean, yeah, I want to be with El Shaddai, and you're forgetting that El Shaddai is Jesus, and Jesus El Shaddai. So it's not about not a matter of who you're dealing with, not your understanding of 
their composition, but their being. I, I, I'm saying this with a lot of caution because in many forums, especially where I came from, would want to call all the names of Jehovah, all of them, and all the other things. And, and then Jesus would just appear somewhere like, also mention Jesus, you know, also mention the Holy Spirit. Like there are some just, there were, what are those guys? You have the sidekicks. Uh -huh. So you have the superhero, like Batman, and then you have Robin. Okay, Robin, you know, then you have Robin there, you know, like he's insignificant. Yet we are dealing with the same person. And I'm so excited about today's session because we are going to understand about the triunity or the triune nature of God. Yeah. So now that you have pondered about the essence that Jesus, therefore, Jesus is the exact reproduction of God in human form, displaying the nature or the intrinsic or indispensable quality of God that determines his character. That is who Jesus is. So um, let's go to a few scriptural references just to back up our, our thesis. Yeah. So let's go to John chapter 14, verse 6 to 11. John 14, verse 6 to 11, where Jesus begins to explain himself. Thomas got in stone. We open it as well. John 14, 6 to 11. If somebody can post it for the guys who are online, I'd appreciate it. Okay, I will read from the amplified version. John 14, 6 to 11. I will read it. Jesus said to him, actually, let's find out who he was saying to him. It's important that you know who, we are, who he was responding to. Um, so, yes. So I'll start actually from verse 5 because uh, Thomas was asking a question. So Jesus was responding. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by through me. If you had known me, had learned to recognize me, you would also have known my Father. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Glory to God. Us here, because we know Jesus. You have known who? The Father. And Philip said to him, Lord, <laughs> after everybody has been told that, he still, Philip still asks him, Lord, show us the Father. Cause us to see the Father. That is all we ask. I just want to speak to Elohim. Actually, Elohim is correct because that is it's a, it's a plural word for God. So it means it argues out the trying nature of God. Let's find out. I want to speak to Jehovah Jireh, the one that Abraham spoke to. When he's about to sacrifice Isaac. That is what Thomas, uh, Philip was actually saying. Uh, thanks, Jesus. But now I want to see this father that you talk about, the God of Elijah, the God of Elisha, the God of Moses, the God of our forefathers. We want to see him. We will thank you, but we want to see him. Cause us to see him. And then we shall be satisfied. You know, I find that so funny. Because even as little five, it's funny. 
you, it's okay, thank you that you have been sent from me. But now we want to see the real McCoy. The real McCoy. We don't want any other person. That's the real, the OG. Yeah, and then now we shall be satisfied. Everything shall be spoken. <laughs> if I would Jesus, any Jesus, Jesus composure. Remember, I said you last time it was not funny because of the day you were playing hide and seek. Today I'm recognizing all right, Jesus has great composure. Jesus has great composure. Then he said, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all? Have I been with all of you for so long a time? And you do not recognize and know me yet? Philip? (laughs) Philip? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say then, show us the Father? Hey, do you not believe, do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? What I am telling you, I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me does the works. Or he says another one, his works. He does the works. That the works of Jesus are the works of the Father, are the works of the Spirit. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. And I want us to take a little bit of time on this particular statement. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the very works themselves. The Jews, the Jews, why he was actually talking about the works was because the Jews were very predisposed to the miraculous. This is the words in our Bamba. Miracle service. Wow. Uh, the thing that you ask right now, that you would rather not know about Jesus, that you want to see his works. So he was catering, he was doing a broad coverage yes. of all those people. Whether you want to believe in the word or the works, I want to know that both of them are one. And they're me because of the father who is continuing here and I in him. So they were very amused by the works and were applauding. This is amazing. Of course, those who are criticized, but they were like, hey, this guy, this guy, this guy, this is the guy, you know, he's got it. Yeah? This is the guy. Then you wouldn't say. However, they still not believe that the father was with him and was in him. In as much as the father had endorsed him and had even told them during Christ's baptism that here you him during the transfiguration, hear you him. They still don't believe it. They were saying the works are great. This must be one of the prophets like Elijah causing fire to come from heaven. You know, people Moses making the water stand red. All those things, the miraculous. Elijah, you know, Making the sun, yeah, the rain. He prophesied drought and it came to pass. So they were amused by the by the, by the, the visual representation of God, but they did not quite embrace the reality of what was happening there. That God Himself had come to now steal a deal that He had already predestined a long time, and He was using the Jewish community. So when you're saying this, you're saying, I I want, if you don't want to believe me, the things I have said, or the things the Father has said about me, okay, believe his words. 
knowing that, and that's why it goes back to the previous scripture, that the Father who lives continually in me does these works, that his works are an extension of who he is. Therefore, if you don't want to believe me as a representation of the Father, you don't want to believe my words, then believe the works that I do, which are of the Father, and therefore me and him are one. We are not separate. Do you understand that? So, he said, if you cannot trust me, at least let this work that I do in my Father's name convince you. Convince you. Uh, let us go to <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. This, at least, you know, we had spoken of it earlier on in Wajiri, the previous about the him being the heir of all things and his creative power. We talk that he is the image of the invisible God, the first one over all creation. I remember last time I talked about the image and I said that image means icon, E I K O N. It's from the word icon, the Greek word, which means a precise copy, a reproduction, an exact image. And it's funny, you know, we're talking about the express image, we talk about character. That is why we are saying it is only mentioned in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. In Colossians 1, verse 15, the word changes, it's what acorn, which is synonymous to character, meaning that it is a precise copy, the exact copy of the Father. It's an exact reproduction. In Colossians 1, verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. We have read in John chapter 14, verse, 11, verse 10, and he says that the Father continually lives in whom? In Jesus. And he is also with the Father. So this correlates with Colossians 1.19, saying that it pleases the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. The fullness of God should dwell in Jesus. And I'm a bit excited about this, because when you're hearing that, begin to think, as Jesus is, so are you. So, so you can imagine if the fullness of God is dwelling in Jesus. We don't have a thing to represent Jesus in us. We have him in us. Yeah? So Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, again, it echoes what we have just read in Colossians 1 verse 19. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Christ was not only God manifest, but was God in essence. God walked on that. You know there's a song that people God walking on that, those old time things. And it sounds very pleasant, but now when you begin to bring it into perspective, we cannot say Baba says a shuka. You know, it's a window. Shuka up at Nakuja. Oh, when you are shuka. Alisha shuka. Nanaishi dani yako na mimi. Do now this thing. We are not going to call God to come down. To do what? What is he coming down to do? He has already finished his work. So I, I know we have some songs that we really we really like. Uh, stretch forth your hand. Okay. No, that's different. That's different. For me, one, that's the works of God. But 
Tutavua mikono this particular doctrine begins to you if you're really keen and you're genuinely genuinely speaking for the truth without being emotional or upset yeah because maybe you don't compose that song don't be upset i'm not i'm not upset with you yeah just change a few wordings to reflect the reality in which you're living in right now that the father already came and he has settled in who in me and you jesus came father came through jesus yeah on earth, the physical representation and when jesus the physical vision left he sent down his spirit and now that spirit his spirit lives in us so we cannot start calling him. Where are you calling him? You start calling us. Lynette, Lynette, come forth. Lynette, like that. Was Am I here? Can you see me? Am I here? Can I see me? No, you're already. The Father is already in you, because Jesus is in you, and the Spirit is in you. They are one. Okay. Another scripture reference: Philippians chapter two, verse six. Uh, I want to read. I want to read more than that. Uh, let's. I'm, I'm really excited with that. I, I like Jesus being, being the message. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Does not know to receive something. Whether you're a person of works or the words, you shall receive. Because he's the same person. Anywho, anywho, anywho. Uh, let's read actually from that. Let's read from verse 1. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. To six, because remember we were taught that there were not there were no verses; it was just a letter, mm-hmm. a paragraph here and there, but it was a letter. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to start katikati abarua in the middle of the letter. Let's start from the beginning. And so, so by whatever appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ, by whatever strengthening and consoling and encouraging our relationship in Him affords, by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love, by whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share, and by whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy, fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and in being of the same mind and one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. Do nothing from factional motives, through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, all for unworthy ends or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness, lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Verse 4, let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interest, but also each for the interests of others. Number five, let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. This particular verse here, you know, we say you have the mind of Christ, let this thing be in you. He was talking about the attitude that is we've spoken about there, but that's not the lesson for today. There's an attitude and purpose that is in Christ that should be in you. Okay? Not just saying, nah, I have the mind of Christ here. What is the mind of Christ? If this is the mind of Christ that you really be humble, you will esteem others, you will love, you will give, you'll be conscious about what you do to others. That is the mind of Christ. Anyway, I digress. So we're discussing which was in Christ. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who, 
although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness and the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant, in that he became like men and was born a human being. Okay? Um, basically, what we are actually highlighting on verse 6, where we are we are finding arguments to justify our, our thesis here, that his being is one with the Father. Okay? So he says, Jesus was essentially one or two with God and in the form of God. The physical nature, the invisible God was made visible through Christ Jesus. Right? So that's Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 that you need to highlight because you can read from the beginning. So here, the word form in NKJV, when you talk about Philippians 2 verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to equal with God, the word form is a Greek word morphe. Morphe, which is M-O-R-P-H-E. Morphe, morphe, morphe. Yeah, but it's morphe. It refers to the essence. We learned what essence means, right? Or the essential being. Jesus Christ is God and always was. And this is the heart and soul of the Christian faith. That is what Jesus Christ is God and always was. And therefore, that is the heart and soul of the Christian faith. That is the premise of our belief. That Jesus is God. That is God. Yes. God bless you. Um, so when we're talking about Jesus is God and all it was, it begs to, you know, it reposited that Jesus has always been eternal. eternal. We talked about in the beginning that there was no beginning of him. He was there because he was there with the Father. So when and we we're talking about the begotten nature of God, people were actually arguing that because he was begotten by the father, then we must be lesser than the father. Right? So one thing we must always establish is the eternal nature of Christ because he is one with God and God is eternal. We also must remember that he has he is co-equal, he's co-equal, co-eternal with the father. He is co-equal and co-eternal with the father and with the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2 verse 6 talks about even though he was, you know, essential with God, he, he actually let go of his equality so that he can become like a man. And people have misunderstood that letting go and have therefore degraded his supremacy and made him look like a mere man. And when they say he was both God and man, they never really see him as one with God, right? So John verse 1 verse 3, in the beginning was Jesus. Remember we changed last time the teaching, it said in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. 
John verse, chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. And the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay? Jesus. Yes, come on. That one has. People are passing things. What to award in the works? You will not be left behind. Say hallelujah. On, online, you know, I, your silence is very scary. You might have been raptured and you're just the ones waiting here to do the work. Excuse me. Are you there? Somebody say something. Very much. Yes. Ah, glory. Okay, wonderful. So, we were saying that Jesus, Jesus is full of grace and truth. The glory, what Pastor Peter has just said, the glory is the grace and truth. Is grace and truth. So that's another sermon altogether. You are glorified. You are full of grace and truth. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Shebe. Okay, Shebe, that's not right. Okay. Anyway, 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 anyway. Um, John verse 8. Oh, John chapter 8, verse 58. John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That is to show, number one, we're talking about his eternal, his eternal nature, with the Father, with God, and the fact that he was actually there. Because if the Father was there, then Jesus was there with him, because he has called himself I am. And if I can just take you back to where I was, was it? Um, I think it was Moses, the man in bush, when they were told, when he was asked, who shall I say has sent him? And he said, tell them, I am. And we now know who I am is. Who is I am in the Old Testament? Jesus. Because we talk about Jesus being the physical representation of the Father. And what did Moses see? He saw a burning bush, which is a physical representation of something, isn't it? And the bush told him that I am what? I am. And Jesus now here in John 8 verse 8 has said what? Most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. This was really toying around with the Jews because I remember we said they did not esteem him as God. And this statement, I am, is something very great because that is where the name Yahweh the name Yahweh actually comes from there, the letters. So when we talk about Yahweh, it's a title, a Jewish title. Because that's where the, the, the Hebrew was actually used. So the cultural, um, can I say, legacy was left by the Jews in that sense. So a literal translation would read for this particular scripture is that before Abraham, was brought into being, I exist. The statement, therefore, is not that Jesus Christ came into existence before Abraham did, but that he already existed. Good grace and truth. Yeah. The statement, therefore, is that not Christ came into existence before Abraham did, 
but that he already existed before Abraham was brought into being. In other words, Christ existed before creation or eternity. He was always there. He has always been there. And that is what almost got him stoned. He is a self-existent and eternal. Not stoned, Maui. Maui, see what Jafoya stoned. Pastor Peter, today you are very naughty. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus was actually asserting his equality with God at that time. Um, and, you know, it's funny how over and over again in, in the course of the New Testament, in different, um, you know, different gospels, you have these things popping up because he could actually see the intents of the hearts. When, they, when he would do something, when he would speak, they saw him not as he should have been seen. And he had to keep on reminding them of who he was because it was important for them to now behold him when he resurrected, understand the kind of new lease of life they had been dealt with. If they did not see him in that sense, they would always regard him as a normal prophet. And that's the thing that we are also doing here, that we are reminding each other of who Jesus is, his supremacy, so that we can also begin to understand and say this over and over again, who we are. That is the biggest problem from Adam's time. He would not, Adam and Eve would not have fallen if they had understood who they were. They would not have seen themselves as lesser beings. They would have seen themselves as an exact likeness and image of God. Because when God was creating us, he said, let us create you, man in our exact image and likeness. We've learned what image means. We know what that means. So God was saying, I want to make a copy of myself in this earthly realm. A copy of myself. That everything I have, everything that is bestowed upon me, I bestow on this human. But because they didn't understand that, it was easy for them to fall into the entrapment of the enemy. Because we don't understand this, we easily get ensnared by temptation, by hate, by sin, whatever it may be, by self-doubt, we get ensnared because we do not know this. And that's why it is paramount for us as believers as we are fellowshipping together, that we remind ourselves of who he is, that we may know who we are. And we stay there settled and faced by the world. So, um, as I mentioned earlier on, we're almost done. Uh, I think we'll do this in two parts because it's actually quite long. I am, the word I am is a transliteration, 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 which basically means a write-up or a print-out or a letter or a word using the closest corresponding letters of a different alphabet or script. In short, what it means is that whatever, <laughs> let me write it down. I'll write, sorry, guys, let me just um, do this for you. This is school, school for free. Write, I am, is a transliteration, which I put in brackets. Write or print a letter or a word using the closest corresponding letters of a different alphabet or a script. So, let me break it down. 
Hebrew has a different alphabet and representation of its writing. It's very different from the Roman alphabet that we have. Okay. The same thing as you can look at the Amharic ones for Ethiopia, or you can look at the Chinese characters, all those things. You can transliterate a word, okay, from an original text. You're basically writing Yahweh, which is Y W V H. Yeah? See that? Yeah, it should be that. And you bring it into English terms. Y H W, sorry, Y H W H, not V, Y H W H. Is, has been transliterated to I am. Okay? Yahweh has been transliterated into that. So now we'll go back. I am is a transliteration of the personal name of God in Hebrew. Another word is coming. It is sometimes called the tetragrammaton. Tetragrammaton or tetragrammaton, depending on how you want to pull your syllables. And I'm going to write this down as well. I'm writing it down. Please don't feel uh, lost. I'm writing it down. I'm going with this. Don't think it's a waste of time, guys, because... It's, it's important for us to know this. We talked about being able to defend the gospel, being apologetics. So when you ask what really I am means and where it came from, you now know where it comes from. You understand the alphabet, the alphabetic connotation of the, of the Hebrew language. So you will not be lost. Yahweh, 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 No, you don't start saying, come on, take it to the gifts when they go. Then you become upset. Then you go, these, these things are caught by what? By faith. Yeah, if you don't catch it, that's your fault. No, that's not nice. That's very dismissive. <laughs> Please teach people. So it's saying it is sometimes called the tetragrammaton in Greek, meaning four letters. These are the four consonants Y, H, W, H, which make up the divine name found more than 6,000 times in the Old Testament. So you can equally say, Jesus was found how many times in the Old Testament? 6,000 times. For those who are saying that they, Jesus was never mentioned, he was mentioned. Just that we didn't understand, we've not understood. He's been there, not only in the prophetic sense, but his name. And we're going to learn more and more about the names that, that actually connotate Jesus in the Old Testament. Okay. The written Hebrew language did not include vowels, only the consonants were used. Therefore, readers supplied the vowels as they read. This is driven today in Hebrew newspapers. So right now, the letters are Y, uh, W, uh, Y, H, W, H. So Yahweh, you're, you're, you're actually pronouncing the, the, the word, the, the vowels. Yeah, then, okay, this is not a phonetics class, but, Zip would have enjoyed it if you're paying attention. Yeah. And anyway, so, so reverence for the divine name led to the practice of avoiding its use. Remember in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, you shall not call who? The Lord God your God in vain, name God's name in vain. So they got freaked out and they decided to find another name for it. And they said, calling Adonai. 
okay? Which actually means Lord. Maybe our daughter should be called Adonai. <laughs> anyway, who wants to see? Adonai. Adonita. <laughs> Adonita. Anyway, that's the practice rules of the word Adonai, which means Lord. So many translations in the Bible follow this practice. In most English translations, Yahweh is recognizable where the word Lord appears in all caps. So I don't know if you've noticed in the Old Testament, and the Lord, and it's in capital. You've seen that? And the Lord said to my Lord, the one Lord is in capital. That is Adonai, which they were not able to say Yahweh because it was Guru that name, like Mufasa. <laughs> say it again. Yes? So, um, that is how now they were calling Christ, but the name of God. Yeah. So by saying that he was the I am, Jesus Christ claimed absolute existence. You see how it could have been very offensive for these guys. They could not even mention the word I am because it is only God who was saying I am. They didn't even want to say Yahweh because the name was too revered. Then there's this chap who is born in a manger by some carpenter dude and some 16-year-old chick, yeah? And, yeah, yeah, and then he's coming to say, yo, I perform miracles, and my name is I am. I will finish you. You know, sacrilege. Now you understand how great it was. There's another guy who came to Kenya, I think he went to Western. He was a white yes. Zoom, so that guy. <laughs> Yeah, so even because in those times, we who are Christians would have, you know, would have, there would have been an uprising. Yeah. <laughs> and before I understood that Jesus is actually just another name, though, but like the, the name Jesus, not the, the, the weight behind it, when I would see Brazilians being called Jesus. I, I, I was upset. How can they call themselves Jesus? This is wrong. This is this is. And I realized it was just a name. It is the weight of the person that gives meaning to the name. And now we know the weight of Christ. Hence, Jesus is the name above all names. Not just the letters. I told you, not the etymology of the name Jesus, but what thing that carries them from the Caesar. Yes, I mentioned it. Oh, the name Jesus. Yes. Anyway. Um, so it is the weight of the person that gives essence to his name. And that's why I say it was such a great mistake for the Jews, for Jesus to mention that he's called Allah, that he is one with God. So right now, even right now, if you are to say you are I am, we will finish you. But if you are to look at it from what we are reading, we are one. Not that we are saying it out of pride that my name is Yahweh. It is not that. It is the understanding behind it that he is everything and he was there before. We carry him in us and we have been created as for God's plan in the exact image of life. His character and echo. Okay? Good. So as we wind up this part, so John, now verse 59, then they took up stones to throw at him. They were very upset because he called himself, I am. But Jesus hid himself. 
pages, I don't it here. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, not like Kalonzo, and so passed by. I think Kalonzo picked it from him, but yeah. So what we need to know is that Jesus is the eternal God, as you mentioned, and is now part, he's part of the Trinity. The part of the Trinity. And he has always existed. Um, I want to stop there because the next thing we're going to discuss is the Trinity. My time is gone. But I wanted to hold something. I want you to ponder about something. If Jesus always existed, and we have been told that we are we were predestined to be here. Okay? That means you people, all of you are very old souls. Bless the Lord. Meaning what when you were saying, you are very ancient. But yeah, it just basically means that our spirit man and the spirit men of children who have been born before are born now and are yet to be born are actually alive and well. And it can be such a great encouragement, especially for those who have lost a loved one, that you think the person, you know, it seems to say, I shall see them again. It's actually very true because they who knew, who have known the Lord, we are guaranteed will be in the same place with them. They have been there, they have come, they have left, just like Christ did, and you will see them again. I find I found that part very comforting to understand that Jesus always existed and we existed with him, even though not in the typical sense. Because before the foundations of the earth, we were already in his mind. We had already been created. He already did that. So glory to God that we have nothing to fear about those who have lost, those who are not yet born. You know, we will still know them just because they're not here on earth. We will know them. Those who lived here exceeding 100 years and centuries old, we will know them. And it's such a blessed assurance knowing that they are with the Lord, that He's the one who designed them, and they are one big happy family in Christ Jesus. So, point about that. All right. Um, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that we have come to a close in, in this session today. I thank you for what you have taught us. I thank you for how you have edified us in understanding the nature of your son, Jesus, which is a reproduction of your nature, that we're able to speak out these things without any fear and in such deep understanding that as this thing settles in our hearts and in our minds, our heads indeed will lift up that we will walk with the glory that you already bestowed upon us that indeed we will be full of grace and truth. And that when we are told that we are indeed the radiance of your grace, we will not be second-guessing ourselves. We will not be afraid. That even in the midst of adversity, where the very things that we have believed in are being shaken or being questioned, we know that the truth is in us. He is in us. He is with us. And therefore, it will set us free from the bondage of any form of deception and discouragement. I thank you that we can love because we carry your love. We carry you. I thank you. I thank you that we can bless because you have blessed us. We carry your blessing. 
I thank you that we can name things and call them that which they were never called and call them things that are amazing and wonderful and beyond human imagination because of the name that we carry within us. I honor you and I exalt you. And as even as we part, indeed we know we are together in spirit, in the literal sense, because we are in one accord. When we have one mind, we have one purpose. We have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. We love you and thank you for loving us. For it is in your name, Jesus, that we have received. Amen. 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 Glory. So, um, anyone would like to to share something that they have learned today, you can feel free to type it on the chat or in the chat. Um, I, I don't want to force anyone. I think by now you, you are brave enough because of who you, who, who is in you, the guy, the person that is in you. Yeah, by sharing as well, it also gives you understanding. It may not be many words, but it may be just something that you have decided to hold dear to your heart. And that is also the same thing that you're able to communicate. Kenneth Hagin was saying that you cannot teach that which you do not know. You cannot, you cannot, because either people will call you out for being um, a master of putting words together, a connoisseur of words. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> let me leave it at that. Um, or, or, or they will know that you're lying, that you don't believe what you're saying, okay? So please feel free to just share one or two things that you may have learned, and then we shall call it an evening and a weekend. <laughs>